Welcome to BitFaced. One of the most exciting things Tyler and I get to do is meet awesome people in the community. And today for the first time, we're actually getting to meet people through someone else who we met doing conventions, the very talented artist, Stan Yan. Today in the office, BitCave, I have MacWolf Pro, Abel, and Steve hanging out with us. And before we even get into what you guys do, you guys have an awesome Kickstarter that's going right now for something I know myself as a new tabletop gamer would be very interested in. Whichever one of you want to start, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, so we uh, we just launched our Kickstarter for the Essentials case. It is a uh, tabletop gaming case. Um, it's designed for holding all of the essentials that you need. So you, your dice, your miniatures, your pins, everything you need all in one spot. Um, we decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, we did some research. We saw people doing a lot of really cool stuff with wood, um, which which is amazing. It looks great, but uh, we decided to mix it up a little bit. So it's a clear, <coughs> clear acrylic case, um, very rugged, designed to be able to hold your stuff, keep everything intact, and you can just grab it and go. So does this come from a place of need for you guys? Do you show up at your tabletop games and wish damn, I wish I was more organized. Yes, uh, that's absolutely the case. Uh, some of the common issues we've seen with gaming is somebody will bring a big giant bag, you know, the Crown Royal bag full of dice, and they'll grab it, and it's upside down in their bag. They'll pull it out and spill dice everywhere, or they'll forget their pen. You know, there's always that one person, hey, can I borrow a pencil? And then people always missing their miniatures. Um, oh, I left it in my car, or I left it at home. And this is designed to just hold all of those essential pieces in one place so you could just grab it, run out the door, and go. And we understand that people have, you know, thousands of dice, and they'll buy, like, the pound of dice online. But these, these are for your, your special set, you know, if you have a set of dice that just always rolls well. Put them in this case. I like to hear that. And I'm going to assume this is going to be the dumbest question you guys have ever heard. You guys are both tabletop gamers. <laughs> Uh, yes, absolutely. Severe, severely addicted tabletop gamers. <laughs> I started when I was in sixth grade, back when it was, um, you know, it was taboo, and you know, you were satanic if you played D and D, and so on and so on. And so we were playing, you know, in the corner of the the, the lunch room or out in the, on the in the playground. Kids would be running around playing tag. We'd be at the picnic table playing D and D. We, we must come from very similar places. We're not going to throw ages out here, but uh, my parents made me quit playing D&D because of, uh, they interpreted it to be satanic. They let me play now, though, that I'm, I'm 40. But my, my parents <laughs> tried to make me quit, but you know I just went behind their back because I enjoyed it so much. It was a blast. Original D&D for you as well? Um, actually, no. Um, I was a late bloomer <laughs> when it comes to that. I was actually one of the people uh, when I grew up that thought it was satanic. <laughs> and then I had a wonderful conversion to the dark side. So You're welcome. Um, <laughs> actually, this guy's a big part of why um, I got kind of pulled into the, the whole geek and gamer scene in, scene in general. Um, and you guys been friends for a long time? Yeah, we actually met. Um, he was 12 years old when we met. I was teaching people how to juggle at the Colorado Renaissance Festival. <laughs> and his grandma brought him up, and we taught him to juggle. And then, like, about seven or eight years later, uh, we met in a LARP group that we did where we were, we'd go out and fight every weekend. And it wasn't 
probably a decade after that and he's like wait you taught juggling at the renaissance festival and i'm like yeah me and this guy with a really long beard and he's like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) my grandma has a picture of the two of us when i was 12 somewhere in her basement yeah so So you guys have been friends for a long time yeah 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 i've actually hanging out friends we've been it's been about 20 years now so i was gonna guess about 20 and uh is that where, where where Matt came from? Is that do you guys like just like working together? Tell me about the little bit of the origins here, because for those listening that do not know, you guys make some really unique shit. In fact, I was thinking of a word on the way up here. Like, how do how do I classify him? Definitely as artist, but you guys do stuff that's uh, that that a lot of other people don't do. Where does that come from? Uh, we're I don't know. We're just through and through geeks. So we we started out. We we. Um, saw a Klingon clock on the internet and it's like, huh, that's pretty awesome. It's laser cut. I wonder how much a laser cutter costs. So we were looking and then we saw, I was like, well, um, let's see if there's a makerspace near us that has a a laser that we could use. And the Tinker Mill in Longmont, you know, a shameless plug for them because they're awesome. They have a 80 watt CO2 laser and um, they're one of the highest rated makerspaces in the country. So we went and checked them out. It's only a few miles from our house, and it was perfect for us. Uh, so we went there, and we, we made a Klingon clock. We made a few other clocks, and we put them in an art show, and we sold out. And it was that eye-opening thing. Hey, people like what we have. And so um, from there, we, we started making more and doing different things and trying to get into different fandoms. And then we started taking some custom orders and doing, we've done some weird stuff. Like we did a scuba diving clock and like a hunter's clock with like this elk and some doves. And it was weird. Not really our thing, but when they got it, they loved it. So, hey. Um, And from there, it's like, well, let's start a business. And so we started doing this. And then we're like, well, you know, we've seen all these wooden cases for dice and dice holders and dice rollers and things. And finally, we're like let's do something like that and then on a whim steve like well let me cut one of these out of acrylic just to see what it looks like and we're like this is it this is what we got yeah but the original prototypes that i was building i was making out of um uh, baltic birch plywood and then some other hardwoods and just playing around with things um and i decided to do one out of acrylic just on kind of on lark i was like oh, i wonder what this will look like me threw it together um i thought it looked pretty good so i went to genghis Khan. Um, and I was hanging out, playing, and having fun, and I I just took it with me just for myself, not to not to sell it or promo it or anything. I had it sitting on the table next to me, and people kept coming up picking it up. The Chessex dice guy tried to buy it from me, you know. So <laughs> nice. We're like, well, shit, this is it. Here here we go. Let's. This is something unique. It's different, and uh, it honestly looks gorgeous. We we, we kind of have fun with the fact that we tend to make stuff that we don't want to sell because <laughs> we like it too much so uh that's kind of where we spun off and decided to take the uh the route using the acrylic and playing around with that i really like the acrylic because to me when you see a case uh you know the case itself may look nice and people are like oh that's a nice looking case but when i see that i get to see all of your pieces and i get to see a really kind of about you as a tabletop gamer you know what color of dice you liked and you know your miniatures and all sorts of stuff like that so i think acrylic is definitely a really cool way to show off who you are as a gamer right and it's something that we hadn't seen in the market before Uh, we've seen a lot of wood stuff a lot of rare hardwoods um i've seen some 3d printed stuff but i've never seen any clear acrylics and 
so that's kind of where we came from and when he'd made this one it's like yeah that's that's awesome we need more of this you guys work with some local artists right so tell us about that because you have a griffin on your essentials case yeah so um we partnered with four artists that are local um here in the colorado area stan yan uh, we already mentioned um is awesome um you know without a doubt i will shamelessly plug that guy all along <laughs> um he's actually even beyond just the artwork he's been a great resource for us helping us with ideas helping us with figuring out this whole kickstarter thing um helping us connect connect us with some podcasts so uh he's been awesome steven palawa is another artist we're working with uh zach hennessy has done some incredible stuff if you uh look at the uh, kickstarter a couple of the main uh engraves that are on there as examples are his uh there's a sorcerer on there that is badass yeah um and then uh the fourth artist is janet macklin um which a lot of people won't hear she's actually the one that did the uh griffin um she's my mother-in-law uh, wow. which which kind of surprised me um she's an amazing artist and i um i said you know would you be interested in doing something? She had no idea what anything about gaming or anything like that. And um, yeah, she's like, "Well, I can I can do a couple things." And she threw them together, and absolutely gorgeous, amazing artist. She never markets herself. She doesn't have a fan page, anything. But her work is incredible. Well, yeah, let's give her a shout here by by all means. Good God, not only your mother in law, but doing some amazing art. Who came up with the idea to put the art on the case? Because not only do I think the organization is supreme, but when Tyler was telling me about the case about the art on it, I was like, "That's a good direction to go." Because um, that then you was have all something Steve. no one else has. Yeah, we were at a. Um, it was a high school. It was a mini Comic Con kind of thing to promote their their comic book reading club, and um, we were two booths down from Stan. And we were looking at some of his stuff, and Steve went up to him and said, hey, would you be interested in, in partnering with us on this? And and Stan said, I'll do it on one condition. And we're like, sure, what's that? And he's like, make one that looks like a coffin. And we're like, done. <laughs> and so on our Kickstarter, one of the, the I think it's the second stretch goal is um, you, it'll unlock the coffin case. And Stan has some work that is perfectly designed to fit on a coffin and it's gorgeous and it's slightly bigger than this one but it's amazing looking yeah i like the organization of the coffin case too it's a uh, it's neat i'm looking at it right now in fact so um anyone who does listen to this should definitely go to your guys kickstarter not only to see you, what it looks like because we have one right here in front of us but to see a lot of this art because this is incredible and Besides just these artists, you guys said you also do custom orders. If they want a certain character or something, would, right. it, would it be done from these artists, or who would who would make that? Um, so with the custom work, uh, what we'll do is it's one of the reward tiers that are on there. Yeah. Um, when the Kickstarter finishes up, uh, we'll get a hold of uh, all the backers and say, okay, what do you want? Give us some reference materials, give us some things, um, and then we'll get it made. Um, whether that's uh, myself going through and building it out, I know some people might have like business logos or they might have uh, specific, um, um, they might want like a green lantern or something like that on it, whatever they want. <laughs> His eyes just got real big. Oh, I love green lantern. First off, I was looking at your guys' LED wall mount, easiest 400 bucks I will eventually spend. <laughs> but besides that, business logos, E, you're going to have to carry around a bit face essentials case. 
You know, I'm, I'm toss-up between that and I play in a, a monthly Freedom Squadron game, which is a brand new um, game from Sean Patrick Fanning. Yeah, Fanny. yeah, we play, yeah we, we play with them, too. We play with them, too. Dr. Broom, I'm Blitz. Okay. <laughs> nice. So anyway, I, I was when I was looking at the case, my first thought was I can't wait to bring something awesome like that over to SPS house so he, he knows that I'm, I'm legit now. Because uh, I don't think he has something that cool yet. Maybe I'll maybe I have to get him he, one. He's seen Steve's because we play with him. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that small that, world that's a small world small that's awesome world. yep yep and we met him at um at genghis khan interesting you say that that's uh he sat down to talk to us that day and now he's my game master pretty pretty weird how the world works huh yeah we we got pulled into a game from a friend of ours and he's like yeah we're gonna try this new game called freedom squadron that's built off the savage worlds and and sean's running the game and it's it's prototyped and so our characters are now canon so it's awesome I'm lo- I'm loving that. Are you guys liking the game too? I'm I'm a I'm a tabletop noob. This it, it, is the first I've played in forever. Yeah, this is it's a it's a completely different mechanic that I'm used to, but I really enjoy it. I like the storytelling aspect of it. I I want to scribe there to to jot it all down as a comic book, as, as, you know, for each game session because it's so interesting and fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, likewise for me. I mean, it's a it's a jump away from the kind of traditional D and D that I'm used to, and um, this was my first taste of uh, Savage War- Worlds, which is you know a different rule set for me. Um, I'm digging it. I like it a lot. I actually um, from hanging out with Sean and, and getting to know him a little bit, I learned about his uh, Savage Rifts series that he uh, he just put out. Um, and I think it just released what about. So about, um, I don't know, a month or two ago, something like that. Um, I think so. But yeah, I, I went went in, so I went out and bought all the books, and I'm running one of those games at my house um, because you know it, both it's it's an awesome setting, but then it's also nice to be able to run a game that was written by the guy that's running your game. You know, <laughs> it's kind of cool. I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad we have the same uh, the same game master. We're gonna have to get a crossover game going here. Oh, uh, I think we awesome. can make that'd that awesome. Uh, we can make that happen because everyone except Tyler has a character, and, and not that he wasn't invited. We've just been kind of busy. But Doug, who you guys have met, and Rebecca, who will be here a little later, we're all involved in the campaign, so we're having a lot of fun doing oh, it. And we're doing it for charity too. Uh, oh yeah, we're putting it on the Bitface page. It's all going out for Cap for Kids. Sean really wanted to support Rebecca's charity, so we kind of all got together and decided to to make something like that happen but i want i want a sweet dice case so yeah bitface would be the the choice right i think i kind of have to wrap my own brand on my dice case but i'm tempted to do something gi joe related well you can always get more than one yeah that is true give them as give them as gifts and we 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 can kind of blend it together i can work with you we can do the bitface logo and maybe do some laurels around the side and you know play with it i love it guys i love it so let me ask you guys a question, and you don't have to answer this, but I go to a lot of cons. I buy a lot of merchandise. You said you were selling a Klingon clock earlier. You said you could do a Green Lantern. How do you guys get away with that? And it's not just y'all. If you go to Comic-Con, everyone is drawing a licensed character, selling a licensed character, having licensed characters on shit. Is it just an unspoken rule that you're allowed to do it because of the uniqueness of your art? Somewhat. It is it is kind of... Um we're we're in a very dangerous waters you can't say yeah it's very gray because you're an artist you're allowed to do artwork and as long as you don't get a C and d from the the owner um they'll let you do it um the comic book companies are very lenient towards artists so as long as you're not mass producing and making a ton of money on their intellectual property um they'll let you do it uh 
the Klingon clock and um, anything Paramount owns, um, if they saw us or saw what we had, um, it would likely lead to a and d because Paramount's very protective of their, their properties. Yeah. Our, our big thing is our, our focus is on doing something unique and different um, and basically having something available for people that speaks to whatever fandom they're in. Um, do we worry about getting the C&D? Sort of, but, you know, if that ever happens, I mean, all of our friends are going to get some gifts for Christmas. Um, we're, we're, not, we're not too worried about it on that end. Um, one of the things that we are trying to do, though, is... Um, push more of our original designs and and do some things that are outside of specific fandoms um for example like griffins and uh pegasus Pegasi. 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 <laughs> winged horses um but i mean it's it's something that we're we're aware of and we th- we think about it and um kind of plan plan for and conten- have contingencies for um our goal isn't by any means to to disrupt um, anyone's business. I mean, if we were even remotely looking at, you know, maybe the more than one or two clocks of a particular type of year, um, we we would be looking at doing licensing or, or those sort of things. Because I understand. I mean, if you own if you own intellectual property, you want to protect that, um, and you have the right to do so. Um, so our goal is definitely not to to take away from anyone, but um, but definitely to also be able to provide fans with something they're they're not going to see as a uh, a canned licensed product for marvel like you're, you're not going to see uh a laser laser cut wooden clock uh come out with um official deadpool you know licensing on it and honestly i think what you guys do as creative artists enhances like if i were to find something like that it's just going to stoke that fire even more for me to you know continue following that fandom and enjoying it so yeah and and i think that's something that a lot of the uh, larger industry um people out there un- know and understand and i think that's why they give artists in particular um some of the guys that do drawings so much leniency is because it's that you know if we can collectively move a fandom upwards and more visible and more give it more attention then um at the end of the day still benefits them they're going to sell more movie tickets they're going to sell more comics they're going to sell more uh their slice of the convention pie i mean yeah i like to consider it more of a symbiotic relationship yeah you know we benefit each other as opposed to you know someone taking from someone and being parasite yeah and i think too uh where i really draw the line is uh almost exactly to your point steve you guys provide something i can't buy on the dc marketplace i can't buy from dc Another aspect of that is, I don't know about you guys, and I want you guys both to kind of talk about this. Me as a geek now, 40 years old, hardcore, I don't want fucking something that someone else has. I don't want something I'll see at a convention 10 times. When I even buy a t-shirt, I'm very specific about, I'm going to get something I'm not going to see when I walk around Denver Comic Con. No one out of those 100,000 people are going to have what I have. I think the Star Trek clock, the lamps you guys make, shit, that is something you can't buy. And I think, is, is that where the line is? Did, I mean, is this where the need comes from? Is there's people like me and people like you guys that they want something. I love my fandom so much. I want something no one else has. Yeah, that's what we were, that's what we were striving for when we first put together the stuff we threw in the art show. It's like, nobody does this. So we wanted something unique, something that's, that's beautiful, something that we didn't want to sell because it's awesome. 
Yeah, there there have been a couple things where I've finished like a custom job and I've been holding it and looking at it and looking at Abe and looking at it and okay, we'll give it to the person. <laughs> yeah, we did a custom Iron Man clock, um, and you could see it on our webpage. Um, and when I got done painting it, because it was it's weathered and it's you know it's Iron Man uh, on one knee, you know, in the superhero pose with his palm out. And when I got done with that, I didn't want to let it go. It was it was gorgeous, so. That's a mark of what you guys do, though. I think uh, I think if you do look at one of your pieces and you don't want to sell it, then how much quality is the the person that's purchasing it really getting? And, and that's when we knew we were onto something. Is because half the stuff we make, we want to just hang up. We don't want to get rid of it. And it's like, no, I could make another one for me if I really want one. But then you know, my wife would only have so much tolerance to how many clocks we have in the house. So yeah, we we did get smart after a while. We picked the uh, clock movements that don't tick. The continuous movements on yeah, yeah that that's probably saved my marriage <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you guys are both always on time right there's got to be something said for punctuality yeah yeah somewhat <laughs> that uh no comment <laughs> that's actually interesting to me the movements that don't tick are usually automatic so like wind up did you guys find some really high quality movements that just take battery or what are you it, it's are just a to? it's a double a battery uh electric movement um just a continuous movement it doesn't tick so that's impressive yeah i actually i collect watches and i fix old watches and i am what they call a horologist <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome title i thought so <laughs> So yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd be interested in maybe seeing some of your guys' movements, as weird as that is. <laughs> Phrasing. So Tyler. we're, we're, we're going we're to move along now. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, Steve, you're an old hat at this, man. I, I told you it would be fine. <laughs> All right, so I am looking on your Kickstarter real quick, though, because this is kind of why we got together. I and mean, we're talking about, you know, the essentials case, and we're trying to help you guys uh, represent this. Tell us a little bit about, if you remember offhand, and I can obviously go through it and look right now, but I want to hear from you guys. What does it cost, and what all can I get? What are the different like tiers? Um, so I can I can hit the tiers. Um, yeah. I might need you to give me the, the numbers again, because sure. one of the things that we did do is when we first launched, we uh, created some early bird packages to kind of give people that showed us a, a little initial attention um kind of a little bit of a break so i may not be 100 percent up on the numbers no problem that are up there right now but mm-hmm. um so basically we have three main levels that you can look at one is just a plain essentials case no engraving on it it's um completely clear um some people ask me why we put it up on there because we have you know the premier engravings that are awesome and then we also have the uh, custom engraving option um, and really, it's up there for the person whose focus is on showing off their dice and showing off their miniatures. Because um, like you were mentioning before, is like one of the real advantages that we have with this case is the fact that it, since it's clear, it allows people to really show off what they've invested their, in many cases, sometimes a lot of money in. Um, I don't know about you, Abe, but I have way more money than I should have into dice. Right, because you see different types and different styles, and yep. you know, why would you want to toss it into a dark box so that no one gets to see? Like this, then becomes almost like a showpiece for some of your stuff. So, we wanted to make sure that people who wanted that option had it, so that they could, you know, really show off what's inside the case even more so. Uh, the next level is the premier engravings, um, and this is basically a, a licensing bump. 
Um, so for us on our side, um, really there's no real increase in cost for us. Uh, this is making sure that the artists that their artwork gets selected, that they get that piece for licensing, um, both for the sake of, um, you know, keeping them happy, <laughs> you know, because these guys have been awesome. Uh, but also for the sake of being able to help reinforce their brand and what they're doing. Um, it's become a really amazing kind of symbiotic relationship where we're promoting their art, they're promoting our case, and we're able to work together. Um, it's actually a model that we're planning on taking past the Kickstarter. Uh, we were up at Cheyenne Comic-Con last weekend. Well, yep. Yeah, it was last weekend. Uh, we were up there, and I met with a bunch of artists um, that we're going to be looking at as we move forward past the Kickstarter, we're going to be looking at setting up similar arrangements with so that we can eventually pull together a massive library of options that people can pick from, but that have a direct connection to the artists that they're picking. So it's not some random tribal dragon shape that you, you, you pick that, that was off a of vector stock or whatever. Like you a know. bad tattoo wall. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what we were... Because that's kind of where we started out, right? Is we were kind of looking at, okay, what images can we get and build a kind of a library up? And some of them, I mean, they look kind of cool. And they're, they're the sort of things that some people enjoy. But um, what, what we wanted to shift towards is something where it's like, I have a case. My case has a work of art on it. I know who made that. It's not some random image off of the internet this is you know i have a stephen palavo case i have a zach hennessy case i have a stan yan case um and then eventually we so we're hoping to be able to take that uh to even more artists and have even greater variety um but uh for the kickstarter itself we have the four um and then you know there's the, the price bump to be able to make sure that they get um you know that they get their fair share off of the licensing and then the third option is the custom engraving um and that that's bumped up even a little bit more um and that really just has to do with the additional time and effort that goes into building something custom for people um i do most of the design work so anybody out there if you buy it you'll be you know you'll be working with me and we'll just go back and forth until we have a design that we like and then we'll toss it on I think that the hands-on interaction with the artist is key if you're going to purchase something custom like this. Right. And that's the direction I would be going. What what does that tier cost me, Tyler? How much am I out to get get to my own to get a custom case? Yeah. A uh, 100 bucks. It's not horrible. No, that's actually really good. For something that'll last you, I mean, your lifetime. Yeah. You're looking at 50 bucks for no engraving, 65 bucks if you get the premier engraving, and 100 bucks for a custom engraving. So, I mean, that's really good to get a custom engraving on one of these cases. To and we, yeah. we do have some retail packs for um, like gaming stores or we talked to some of the people at Layer of Abraxas and um, they, they might be interested in, in say, say you have a gaming store and you want to buy 10 cases, you get a, you get the wholesale um, price on the boxes and you buy um, either 10 or 20 in one go and then we'll put your logo on it, or if you want a custom logo, we'll do, we'll work with you to design that, and and you can have ten cases, all ready to go for you. So, yeah, I see the retailer uh, retailer packs on here. This would actually be something that would be pretty sweet, where we could almost say, "Hey guys, who wants a Bitface, you know, <laughs> tabletop case?" and and order a couple of them. Yeah, 
that so that's one of the big things that we're looking at with that is you know so many places nowadays um which is this is probably one of the coolest thing that i think has come up in the last um i don't know maybe four or five years is just this kind of explosion you've seen in um places for people to go yeah uh dungeon the draft up in four cons larva praxis there i think they're in the middle of expanding out their whole meat hall and everything um that i mean that was something that didn't exist when i was a kid and, right and i would have loved that and so part of what we're doing with the retailer packages is really hoping to be able to you know give retailers something where they have it you know available at their shop and they, and they can use that to help spread their own brand um, and they can tie, you know, incentives to that and all, all sorts of different things that you can do there. So, a, again, it comes back to that. We're trying to make a product, but we're almost creating a symbiotic relationship with we can promote your your location, your brand, your model, everything. Um, and you can buy some of our cases. I think that's uh, I think that's a fantastic way to look at it. I want to talk to to one of your points here. When we all grew up, and again, not assuming ages here, but I think besides Tyler, youngin over here, not a millennial, but almost. Uh, <laughs> when we grew up, video gamers and tabletop gamers, we were kind of, uh, and God, you mentioned LARPing earlier. I've never gotten into that, but even I as a geek look at LARPers and I'm like, whoa, that's, that's a little bit too far down the rabbit hole for me. <laughs> but now you mentioned we're all coming together. There's public places we can do this. I know when I go to my local comic book store, Kapow, shameless plug, it doesn't feel like a comic book store to me. Everyone there knows each other. Everyone talks to each other. There's hugs when I come in the door. Yep. Why were we allowed out? Because <laughs> we finally grew up and had enough money to build our own places. There you go. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't I, answer it better than that. <laughs> yeah, all, all joking aside, really, I mean, the, um, the I, I guess the the median age of the geek has expanded tremendously and um i mean we work with all sorts of people uh we actually work in it for our real lives um and uh pretty sure we're sitting in an it office right now (laughs) (laughs) um but you know you you now have you now have the same people that were hanging out on the playground you know scrounging you know to save enough money to buy a single book are the same people that are pulling down a six-figure salary and now actually have the options to spend it so i I think the the economic opportunity has expanded significantly and the just the scale of just geekdom in general is has grown it's no longer you know taboo to be a geek you're not made fun of for being a geek you know it's 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 the in crowd that's you know watching all the marvel movies buying comic books, playing games. So seeing that whole, the, 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 the growth of the geek culture over the years has been awesome. And, you know, the hipster in me is just like, I was there first. I was a geek before it was cool. Um, so I don't know, just, just the scale of what's available to me now is amazing. And I love it. Yeah, did you guys ever think you'd be going to an RPG bar? And, <laughs> no. and you mentioned two no. of them without even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, not not a chance. I mean um I mean it it it's the perfect fantasy setting, right? It's a tavern, right? You know, you, it makes perfect sense, but yeah, to think that it would be mainstream enough and that that it would draw, you know, a large enough population 
to be actually marketable. Yeah. 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 I went up to Dungeons and Drafts uh, recently. Well, not recently. A couple months ago. I had never been there. In fact, I had never been in Fort Collins, really. And it is crazy in there. It is all like wood siding. It looks like an old tavern. And it was packed. Like I had to sit in a back corner. And I'm talking like this is a work night on like a Thursday or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was it was really and interesting. If they hold an event in there, it's standing room only. It's <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've been up there one time, and it was a similar thing. Got a couple friends together, and we're like, hey, let, let's go check this place out. Uh, went up the, the – I mean, I, I don't really know them up there very well, but I'll plug them anyways and say, you know, the food was great. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it's more of what we need, right? Yep. As far as tabletop gamers are concerned, I'm not going to throw video gamers in here because I don't think we've come as far, but I think the reputation used to be that tabletop gamers were very closed off. Um, Boy, if you showed up and didn't know what the hell you were doing, get the fuck out of my house. I have experienced nothing but the opposite since I've started tabletop gaming six months ago. Everyone has been friendly. Everyone is patient. Everyone welcomes me to the table. Now, these microphones might have something to do with it. But I just think, like, maybe the attitude of the community has changed, or do you guys still see the the other side of it? Because when I was a kid, that's how it was, man. Boy, you had your group of six you played with. If anyone wanted to join the game, they had to pass, like, initiation and shit. They got a test game. If we didn't like him, they didn't show up with the right soda. Fuck them. They're out. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think we've, uh, I think we've kind of, I think we've left that. I, I've been welcomed into every group I've been in. Granted, it's only been two, but it's been great. Is that, has that changed? Um, yeah, I think so. I think the maturity level of the, the average gaming group has, has grown a lot over the years. And yeah, we used to be really inclusive and, you know, um, or exclusive, I should say, and, and, and shun anybody who wasn't in our personal little bubble. But now I think even with the LARP groups that we, we've been talking with, um, whereas one LARP group would always, you know, bad talk other LARP groups, and which is kind of an oxymoron because you're a LARP group. But um, <laughs> at least you know it. Right. Yeah. yeah but um, now everybody's inviting and, you know, you know, they realize that if they want it to grow, you have to include everybody else and, and being receiving and talking to people and, and, you know, just being welcoming will, will allow everyone to have a better time. You get more people involved and it becomes this big major thing as opposed to just your, your small little group that's, you know, hiding out in the corner. Now, Eric may think he's never going to get into this, but I would love to talk to you guys about LARPing sometime. Because it's a ton of fun. It is. If you think about it this way, look, we play video games to take ourselves out of our own head, out of our world, and into a different fantasy or sci-fi style world. Why not just go and do it? And there's there's so many different flavors. The one we were involved in was mostly fighting, um, in the Denver area anyway. Um, there's many flavors, uh, but our group was mostly combat oriented. We didn't do a whole lot of role playing, but if you're into the role playing, there are several groups that, you know, all the way up from like the SCA that, that wears full armor and fights with sticks to, you know, um, very light touch, uh, padded weapon combat, um, in some of the other groups, but there's, I, I can think of six groups offhand in the Denver area that would be suitable for anybody who wants to get into it. So, yeah, I would do yeah. both. Role well, and, and and I can say this. So I I kind of stepped into, um, I I, I kind of went from a, a very conservative 
perspective on life and in a very traditional high school you know, I was a football player, you know, and I was I was a, just going to guess that. I was yeah. like, I bet he's about to say football. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I was I was the guy that I was the guy that always looked at the the geeks over in the corner and and thought, you know what, that looks like a lot of fun, but I I can't show that. Um, but, you know, I have I have other things that I need to be focusing on cuz I'm a high schooler and that's what high schoolers do. Um and then after high school, um, ended up meeting up with uh, Abe and a lot of other people uh, in Ampgard is the uh, LARP that we're a part of. I, well, we haven't been in quite a while. We're getting old and breakable. But, uh, <laughs> we don't heal as fast anymore. Yeah, but um, the, uh, the thing is my, my larger group of friends now are all people that have sustained from my initial years in that group, you know, being pulled in. Uh, the community piece is what kind of, you know, you get hooked on the idea or the concept, you have fun with the game, uh, and then you, you stay for the next decade because uh, the people that you're interacting with. And I think that goes back to your question about, like, the exclusivity or, or the um, almost uh, elitism that maybe showed up in the past. I almost feel like that was... <coughs> You, you could probably make a, a decent argument for that being more a factor of, you know, self-defense and protection. Like, we're, we're not going to let you into this comfort zone that we have because we're worried about how you're going to respond, how you're going to react. Like, we're only going to let people in that we know we can feel safe with. Um, well said. And, and we've, uh, I feel like, over the course of the years, um, the focus has turned towards let's bring as many people in as we can we have all these people that are like-minded it's fun let's let's go have fun together and we don't care if you're the 300 pound linebacker you know you can still play an elven princess it's cool you know what (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but um i i think um from a sociological perspective there you could go for hours and hours on on the topic because what you're bringing up is is really fascinating stuff um I'm I'm kind of a more introverted person in most public settings, but when it comes to this comfort area that's been created around these fandoms, uh, it makes it easier to kind of reach out and talk to people and get to know people. Yeah. So um, I see it as a, as an incredibly positive thing. I, I do too. I I don't know the moment that we dropped our shields collectively as a group, but we did. And I find even you know I used to look at people that LARP like. I've even watched documentaries about LARPing where I was like, never in a million years would I do that. And I still don't know if I would. The fact that I'm rolling dice now, though, guys, is ask Tyler. It's a huge. Hey, seriously, for me. if you got out there one time, you'd be like, this is the greatest thing ever. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Because you, you get a step outside of your comfort zone and you get to go and hit people with sticks. And, you know, a lot so of people, people make, sounds fun. Yeah, and, and a lot of people will, you know, you'll get made fun of for saying you're in a LARP, but, you know, it's a blast. It goes, it's one of those things where people will talk negative about something just because they have that kind of perception of it. But mm-hmm. if they were to try it, 100%, almost anyone would probably enjoy it because it's it's really just doing something that's fun it's taking yourself and putting yourself into a character and and just enjoying it so you know what i I know you said you're not sure but i think we're gonna have to larp one time i'll do it for the podcast let's 
Get LARP. Let us know. We'll we'll hook you up with some people. Oh, you, uh, we we'd want to play with you guys. I know yeah. you guys now. I'd be more comfortable. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm yeah, still. We'll I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm I have gone from very extroverted extroverted in high school to I'm very introverted now. I'm social when we do these things outside of this. I, I kind of keep to myself. So yeah, it, it it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm in a crowd, I'm comfortable with. I'm very extroverted. But in like a like if you just asked me to go to like a county fair or something where it's a large group of people that I'm not familiar with, I'm the wallflower. I'm kind of the same way. When you guys LARP, do you do it fully in character? Um, um, no, not really. I mean, we, <laughs> we dress up and wear the the full garb. I have several suits of armor that I could I could wear. Um, but yeah, as far as getting into a character, no, I'm I, I'm just me. Yeah. And, and that's one of the great parts is you, you can take it to whatever level you want. Um, my focus, I, I love I loved the garbing. I love the armor. You know, it, it's fun stuff. It's like being at a Ren Fair every weekend. Um, you know, I never walked around and spoke with a, a faux English accent. And I, I never, you know, would, you know, carry my swords around like I was actually defending anything. I mean, we were playing a game. Um, and that, that was my level of engagement and enjoyment with it. There are people out there that go full bore. Like, they go to an event, and for that event, they're Gragnor, Defender of the East. And, um, <laughs> and then they stick with it. And the thing is, is for those people, being able to do it that way, I mean, that that is great. They love it. Um, and those people, you know, play right side by side with guys like me where I'm like, you know, this is modified football. Let's get, <laughs> you know, yep. it's, a, it's a game. It you know, has a sport sort of aspect. That, that was my little bit more of my focus. Um, so, again, it goes back to that maybe that shift in mentality. We're looking towards being a more inclusive group as opposed to exclusive. And I think Abe hit on something important, which is that I think the social maturity level of the entire scene has gone up. As yeah, very much so. Um, a lot of the original, you know, original gamers in the mid '80s that were really getting a lot of this stuff going are, are now, you know, grown adults with careers and lives, and, and they're teaching their children, and their children are building up kind of this next wave generation of geeks and gamers. Um, I, I, I think. I think we're going to continue to see the trend. And I think the example that we all set right now is crucial to how geekdom moves forward. And um, I talk to Tyler about this all the time. You know, there will be a time when there is no more BitFace. But if we don't leave the community a little bit better than we found it, then we didn't do job number one, no matter what else happens. And I think I can tell from you guys, you share a very a similar Attitude. I don't have kids myself. I've got a niece and nephew, though. And anytime I'm out as bit-faced or as a geek or as a gamer, I really kind of... Yeah, at least that's my opinion. So I think... Yeah, when it comes down to it, maybe we just didn't like being treated that way. So when we grew up, we're not going to treat others that way. Right, and you're teaching your children. Like, I have two kids, um, a a 13-year-old son and a 9-year-old daughter, and I teach them people come in all shapes and sizes. It's okay to be who you are um if you want to like something you like it uh don't worry about what other people you know say about it just just enjoy yourself be happy and i think a lot of parents are teaching their children that and it's allowing for a lot of children to you know be accepting of people who are different so yeah i'd agree um i mean there's there's a lot of crazy scary shit in the world today um yeah. 
and I, and I think anyone looking around, regardless of how you feel about anything that's going on, can see that. Uh, I think you look for opportunities to uh, to play with it and have fun and, and, and kind of take that step back and, and enjoy life where you can. I think it's a great way to uh, to look at it. Where does this all start for both of you? If you could pick one fandom apiece, what 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 got what got the the fuel in your engine? Ooh, there's two: Star Trek the original series, um, just because it was you know it's space and it hit me right in the soul, and the original Battlestar Galactica. I see a head shake over here. Yeah, so I, I mentioned I was late to the game, right, with all geek things. So. Um, I, I took a I, I used to be a, a school teacher so I took a uh, summer and um, tried to catch up a little bit and I, I tried watching the original series I could not get into it I, I know that's like blasphemy still for still now I could not get into the original series I just couldn't do it um, next generation you know flew right through it ate it up loved it um, but I just I, I couldn't it's my do wife it. with the old doctor who she's like the stories were good, but the effects were so bad I couldn't watch it. And I'm like, that's what I grew up with. It, yeah, <laughs> it's tough to go back. If you want to watch Doctor Who, people who are like, why do you watch it? And I'm like, because it's amazing. And yes. they're like, well, should I try it? And I'm like, only start from like uh, the ninth Doctor on. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless they're super hardcore, then you could go back. But yeah, I would start with Christopher Eccleston yeah. and go. Well, that's what I tell them is start with it. And if you grow to like that. Go, go back, back and watch the, the yeah. originals, yeah. Yeah. Have you tried to watch the Star Trek? Because it's all cleaned up now. You know that, right? All the effects are new. In fact, yeah, the, the Star Trek editions we, are gorgeous. Yeah, the ones we grew up on, I don't think you can get anymore. Well, you probably can, but it's a, you know, it's you're going to spend yeah. some money. The, uh, the Blu-ray actually allows you to do both. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, nice. very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I like to watch it with the old effects because it's actually a lot more fun to me. <laughs> But the new effects are really beautiful, so yeah. I don't think it's effects, though, why you don't like it, Steve. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't, is it um, the camp? It, 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 and I'm not a huge fan of William Shatner. <laughs> um, That's but totally fair. I mean, I mean, just in general, it, it just, it didn't, it didn't hit me. Um, you know, sometimes you watch something that you're just like, eh, this, I'm just not feeling it. Um, and who knows, I might, I might give it another shot, you know, in a couple of years or something like that, and just sucked right in um but y you have stuff off and on the things that actually make perfect sense like this i should love this and when you don't okay yeah but yeah i mean that's that's one of the nice things is we we almost have option paralysis nowadays where <laughs> where it's there's so much to consume and so much to watch and read and see so was it next gen for you or where was um, it Power Rangers? Was it? You said you came late to the party. So I, I came late to the party, but I did actually read um, as a, as a much younger kid. I actually did read um, you know some of the early X Men, um, and and never never really got into it in that sense. I, I would pick up an issue here or there, but um, I, I very my my most vivid memories of going through that process of kind of trying to identify different characters and and i would get to comics from like different storylines sometimes so trying to kind of piece together like these two are oh they're not oh shit <laughs> you know <laughs> um but really the the first one and and i want to make this clear that this decision was made pre-movies so i'm not just on the bandwagon of it but honestly was uh, wolverine 
you know the just the the angry curmudgeony um you know badass sort of character um i i as a kid i always loved and just because he he didn't feel like a, a cheesy caped superhero he was you know usually trying to do what was right and sometimes not really giving a shit you know and 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 i even as like a 10 year old i appreciated that perspective those x-men comics at age 10 dude you have to read those things with a knife and fork i go back and look at them now and think how did third grade eric even understand some of this and the answer is i didn't i read it because wolverine was slashing people up and i loved kitty pride and uh yeah my earliest comic book memory is uh are reading x-men i saw him in a uh, 321 contact magazine about mutation oh nice and that was their example like oh here's mutants uh, and i was like oh and i saw wolverine's costume with the two things on his mm-hmm. face and i was sold from that point forward so we both have very very similar uh backgrounds in, in geekdom both star trek the original series which is my probably my first love that and star wars um i'm a mm-hmm. big star wars geek and then of course uh you know the x-men are it's one of my uh one of my favorite properties out there yeah i never understood the whole star trek or star wars i'm like no they're, they're both awesome i love both yeah yeah my parents love them both so i was always raised to respect them uh i guess respect them equally i mean there's points in my life i've liked star wars better and there's points in my life i've liked star trek better i like the like uh story and intellect to star trek mm-hmm. and i love just the force and lightsabers of star wars mm-hmm. how can you dislike either of those things i agree yeah it, it's apples and oranges in, in a lot of ways and, um, and both very tasty it, exactly <laughs> yes. both you know the um the thing with next gen that really hit me the hardest was um just looking at how much social commentary that they they just poured into it um and how you know sometimes it was it was interesting to watch it so watching it as uh, from the perspective of an educator because i was teaching at the time and actually being like, you know, I'm, I think I'm about to pull a Star Trek clip to help try to explain something in my class even. is like just that, how impactful it was. It was pretty cool. So that's so I, I know you've used the, uh, and I'm going to completely butcher it, the Tanagra episode where that the, the people only speak the... Captain Dathon. Yeah. Yeah, where they only speak in, what is it? It's not idioms. It's uh, um, metaphors. 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 Yeah, yeah, sorry. The Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Shaka when the walls fell. Shaka when the walls fell. Thank you very yes. much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you use that one? Because I, I saw it in a college class. Uh, you know, I didn't. But thinking about it now, I wish I would have. Because <laughs> that, that actually would have been really good. There's a lot of education, I think, to be garnered from the next generation. And I talk to a lot of people that appreciate the original series. But next gen is completely what brought them into the Star Trek universe. Because let's be fair. Kirk might be my favorite captain, but Picard is a lot smarter captain. Yes. I don't think anyone's yes. going to disagree with that, right? Yep. I am. Um, but yeah, Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, before we kind of wrap here today, anything else you guys want to throw out about MacWolf Pro? I, I, I want people to know you guys because if they know you, they're going to know how much passion you put into this project. Um, just know that it's founded by a couple of geeks, and we're as much a geek as you are, so come check out our website check out our kickstarter um i'm sure you'll enjoy what we got are you guys going to be at conventions coming up uh we just got done with cheyenne comic-con we will have a shared spot at denver comic-con but it's not a very big one so we'll have a minor presence there uh we're on their waiting list to get our own booth but we don't have one um 
and then from there we're going to play it by ear because we have to get through the kickstarter and then um it, even if the kickstarter doesn't fund we're going to start putting these up on our website and then we're going to have to build new stock to do the next show whatever that's going to be yep um so the dcc we actually so we're on the wait list um and we were actually approached by another vendor, uh, Whims- Whimsical Whiskers. Um, the owner's name is Brenna, um, who we've kind of interacted with off and on for a few conventions. And she's like, you know what? I, I have plenty of space. You want to set up in my space? So um, that was kind of a, a, a surprise that we, we hadn't anticipated, but actually worked out. It's going to work out very nicely. Um, the big thing for us is getting through the Kickstarter. Um, Right now, our, our primary goal with the Kickstarter is actually to get our own laser cutter. Uh, we work out of the makerspace, which is awesome, and it's a huge resource for us. And um, the biggest issue with it, though, is since, since it's a shared space, um, when we want to do larger batch work or anything like that, it, I really have to go in at you know midnight and work overnights um, in order to be able to do it and not cause issues for other users because it's um, a very highly used machine there. Um, so what we want is our own laser cutter. So that was kind of the reason we went with the Kickstarter is like, so we could get it. The benefit we have is that if the Kickstarter doesn't fund, um, we're, we're ready to take orders on everything that anyone could want. Cause we already have access to the machine. We have time, we have materials, we have everything we need. Um, so it's kind of nice to be in a position where it's not really an all or nothing. It's, uh, anyone who, you know, pitches in for the Kickstarter, if we don't hit that, mark to be able to get our own laser cutter we'll we'll have the uh, cases and everything up on our website the next day to put in an order for so we can make sure you get it one way or the other that's awesome i'm glad to see even if you know life doesn't go as planned for a lot of us sometimes that you guys have a uh, have a backup plan to get these out and uh any problem with uh, any of our fans stopping by dcc to talk to you guys i think if they'd uh think if they'd see the product firsthand this is something you have to hold i mean the website does it justice and i looked at it this week and thought it was really cool but when you brought it in today i was like okay that looks uh that looks awesome that looks like something i want to show up to my next freedom squadron game with that in hand because not only to make spf jealous but just to show that uh, <laughs> he put he puts up with with my noobness a lot because i'm, I'm brand new to this uh so yeah so the kickstarter is going until june the 9th correct what's the best way to get to it tyler it is uh, Maybe I should just ask these guys because you obviously don't know what the <laughs> hell you're doing. If you go to MacWolfPro.com, the website, there's a link straight to it. And I think that's probably the easiest way because trying to give you the direct Kickstarter link, it has a bunch of weird token stuff and it's you, not You can very search good. in Kickstarter under Essentials Case and it'll take you right to it. Or you can go to MacWolfPro.com forward slash KS. See, so much better than you. Next time, I'm just going to ask the guest. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you? I, I figured mean, you had it all up there. I mean, I'm looking at it all right now, but yeah, I figured I figured he was prepared, guys. Sorry for the just utter <laughs> unprofessionalism. <laughs> You'd never be able to make a clock, Tyler. I'll tell you that much. Because no, probably not. You, you certainly can't ever be on time. Thank you guys so much for coming by <laughs> and shouting with us. us today. I uh, I say this to almost every guest, but I know this is not the last time we will see you guys. In fact, I will get an SPF's ear today about maybe crossing over the freedom squadron a little bit. Cause I'd like to sit down and, and just, uh, just enjoy some role playing with y'all kind of outside the business perspective. But we really wanted to get this up right in the middle of the Kickstarter, because I know we have a lot of fans out there that, uh, that like playing. And I think this is something that they'd love to put into their collection. So thank you guys so much again. That's Mac Wolf pro 
If I can find the website on my phone, you guys can find it too. It's really easy to do. Abel and Steve joining us today. To my left, Tyler, run TRG Glaze, the chairman of the Soundboards. I'm Eric G. Hollis, and we are out.